Are you ready for the word this morning? Jeremiah chapter 18 verse 1 says this. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. There I will cause thee to hear my words. And then I went down to the potter's house. It's probably a good thing that when God tells you to go somewhere, you go there. And um, the Bible says in verse 3 that, Behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And I want you to notice verse 4, The vessel that he made of clay was marred. Everybody shout marred. Marred. And the hand of the potter... So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Aren't you glad that he didn't throw the clay away? That he kept it in his hand and he worked on it and made it another vessel? Verse 5, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. I'm going to hold my title for just a few moments as I lay a foundation for this message this morning. But before we get there, would you just lay your Bibles in the seat besides your, lift up your hands and let's pray abundantly for God's word to come alive in this house. We are so thankful, God, for the chance to be here together. I love the thrill that I feel when I come together with God's wonderful people. Lord, I feel that your word is powerfully aligned for today for us. Let us receive it today with great joy. Touch our minds and touch our hearts. And we thank you for it and give you great praise. And everybody say amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Uh, just stay in that key. Tis so sweet. To trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus saith the Lord. Lift your hand and say, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, Oh, for grace to trust. Lift your hands and sing, Jesus, Jesus, As a choir, sing loud unto him. How I proved him, how I proved him more and more. Sing, Jesus, my precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust. One more time, sing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.
Jesus, 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 precious Jesus, for grace to trust Him. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. I feel something right now. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God. Just tell them right now. How great thou art, how great thou art. Would you love him right now and give him a wave offering? Would you magnify him? Why don't you stand across the house one more time? I feel something moving in this atmosphere right now. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voices right now. We got time for this on this Sunday morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Mm, yeah, 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 yes. Jesus is the sweetest name. I know, and he's just the same <laughs> as his lovely name, for that's the reason why I love him so, for Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. You should be so good. There by faith. I received my sight, and now I am happy. Let's put our hands together and sing it one more time, and then I'll preach, I promise. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Sing it aloud. my side and uh, that feels good doesn't it can we do it one more time 
Come on loud. Sing at the cross, everybody. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart. They rolled. Thank you, Jesus. It was thereby. By faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Clap your hands if you're thankful for that truth this morning. Come on, somebody really give God a shout of praise on this Sunday morning. Thank God for Calvary. Thank you for the blood Jesus that you shed. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so very much. I just kind of felt like singing for a minute there. To understand the significance of the potter's house that we read today from Jeremiah 18. We, that's you and me, we must travel through the pages of history and look at this text from the Lord's point of view. While Jeremiah receives the word to travel down to the potter's house, when he gets there and he is looking upon the potter's work, God darts into his mind two great truths. Number one, God has all authority. And number two, God has all power. He has authority and power to form and fashion kingdoms and nations as he pleases. He may dispose of us as he feels fit. And it would be absurd for us to dispute this truth as for the clay to quarrel with the potter. But I want you to understand this morning that God always goes by his fixed rules of justice. Yet we must not forget his goodness. God never makes a decision that is a mistake in his judgment. His ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher. When God is coming against us in judgment, we must be assured that it's for our sins. And we must know that sincere conversion from the evil of sin will prevent the punishment of evil as to the people, families, and nations that God deals with. And such is the case when the Lord wanted to teach the prophet Jeremiah an important spiritual lesson. God nudged him. Nudge your neighbor and say, listen, I'm an audience participation preacher. The more you get with me, the quicker we go eat lunch. Hallelujah. And I'm about 95% hungry, Pastor. So here we go. God nudged him to go down to the potter's house. And it's in that unlikely setting God, God showed Jeremiah how the clay marred in the hand of the potter does not have to be thrown away, but remaining in the hand of the potter, it can be molded 
and spoiled in the potter's hand. I feel like God was warning Jeremiah that the people of Judah must make God their number one priority. In fact, you can read in the 18th chapter when he was saying, At what instance shall I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. That's interesting to note that God had justice prepared for their sin. But he also had mercy prepared for their redemption. Verse 9 says, At what instant shall I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it up and to plant it? If it do even my sight that it obey not my voice and I repent of the good when I said I would benefit them. God always has a bailout plan. But you and I have a responsibility to do what the Lord says. And if not, judgment will follow. I want to go on record right here and right now to tell you and I both here in this moment. God's will for everybody everywhere is to do good toward them and for them. And I don't want to belabor the point today. I want to get right to the point and hasten it. Why do you think Jeremiah was saying that I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end? I tell you why. Because the plea of the Lord was simple. If they choose not to listen to my voice, then the same thing that happened to Israel when they fell to the Assyrians in 721 B.C. will happen to them. Now what happened to them? In 587 B.C., listen, Judah fell to Babylon and the people were taken away in captivity in a foreign land. The problem was that both Jerusalem, or, uh, Israel and Judah put their trust in the external pressures of military weapons and political alliances rather than in God. And I recently read an article that really changed the way I thought about this prophetic moment that the Lord was showing to Jeremiah, because it seems like we're in that same situation right now. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but somewhere somebody has to say, we shall remember the name. Come on, I don't care what the world wants to do. Come on, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I wonder if there's anybody today that says, I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do. I've made up my mind. I'm going to make it to heaven somehow. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But I, I want to tell you today, that this, this thing wrecked me for a moment. I read about this potter named Marjorie, and this, this author tells of the day that he saw her put a chunk of clay, brittle clay, on her potter's wheel. And as she turned the wheel on, the motion of the wheel, coupled with the moisture of the water, it would soften the clay to the point where she could begin to mold it into the desired shape she wanted. Marjorie explained that if her right hand exerted more pressure on the clay than her left hand, which was positioned on the inside of the clay, if that outside pressure was stronger than what was on the inside, then the clay would rise and then collapse. However, 
hear me, if her left hand exerted more pressure on the clay on the inside than what was coming from the outside, then she can mold the clay into whatever shape she wanted it to be. This writer went on to say and share a profound spiritual lesson that he learned that the pot explained the wheel and the water are symbolic to the daily changes and challenges that the wheel of life brings to us. Life has a way of softening the brittle parts of our lives. And she went on to explain that the right hand of the potter symbolizes the outer pressures of life, the expectations of people, the untimely deaths, changes, transitions, marital issues, financial problems, people losing their job, prodigals running away. If all these external pressures exert more influence in our lives than the God on the inside of us, that left hand of the potter, then our lives will do nothing but rise and collapse. However, if the God in us, (laughs) symbolized by that left hand, exerts more influence in our lives than the external pressures that we face every day can be molded into whatever God wants it to become. Let me pause here and purpose the same question. Have you ever felt like stiff, brittle clay that is stubborn and without the ability to be molded? I want to tell you that you are not alone in this building right now. That if you are in this position, you must realize that God has to put some pressure on the inside. That's why you have to have Jesus on the inside working on the outside. You must realize that the wheel of life has been given to us so that he can form us into what he wants us to be. I know the pressures of life are hard. I know family dynamics are difficult, but I'm telling you right now, it's God's will that everybody survive. It's God's will that everybody comes to life. It's God's will that you thrive on his will. Come on, if you believe that, would you clap your hands this morning and give God praise in this house right now? Come on, I believe what I'm preaching. Would you go ahead and unite with my heart right now? I'm telling you, God wants to remind somebody it's not over. If you still got breath in your body, he still has a purpose for your life. If you're still breathing right now, he still has a plan for you. I want to tell you the devil is the author and the finisher of confusion. He is the author of everything evil in your life. But God's got a great plan for you. God's got a great story. You just got to stay settled on his wheel. We have to learn today very clearly and emphatically the good news is that when the clay collapses, the potter doesn't give up. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. When the clay is marred, as Jeremiah said, meaning without value, unpresentable, that's when the potter can do the redemptive work of taking the clay, reshaping it, molding it into another vessel. Let's be honest. There's not one person in this room right now, in this house today, under the sound of my voice, who is spotless and has it all together. No, in fact, it's the complete opposite that's true. We all have the same pedigree when it comes to faults, failures, and mishaps, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We all need the potter 
and we need him now. <laughs> I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the beauty of the potter will always reside in his ability to make a decision. Cast them away or keep working with them. I just want to tell you, you're here right now because God has chosen to keep working on your life. You and I are in this building right now because it's the grace of God that causes the judgment of God to take a turn in your favor and give you another chance. I want you to look at your name and say, God is the God of second chances. Come on. I don't deserve his goodness. You don't deserve his mercy. But thanks be to God, which went to a hill far away on an old rugged cross, and he was died and buried for our sins. But he got up again. I want to tell you, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, everything in my past has to be erased. In him, I have a brand new future. I'm reaching for somebody today. I'm reaching for the eldest. I'm reaching for the youngest. I'm reaching for the person that's been in this thing all of their life. And I'm reaching for those who are new babes in Christ. We all have one thing in common. We need God's mercy and we need his grace. God never makes a mistake. God never makes a mistake. The Lord is perfect in all of his ways. We're the ones who become shorthanded. We're the ones who have the fault. We're the ones that have the mishaps. But guess what? His mercies are new every morning. If the Lord were a lawyer, he'd never lose the case. There is no more compass that could measure how upright and blameless he is. He is not ignorant of our ways and the ways that we have sinned against him. He knows everything we've ever done and he's able to stomach it. He can handle it. His knowledge of who we really are will never hinder his love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what he said? The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. I don't have it all together and that's exactly how he likes it. Because if I've got all the answers, I don't need Jesus. But I'll tell you right now, Jesus is the answer for the world today. We may be in war. We may be in crisis. We may have things coming against us. But I'll tell you right now, there is no weapon that is formed against you that shall prosper. I don't say it because it's cliche. I believe it. Greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. If God be for us, please tell me who can be against us. No weapon, no weapon, no weapon, no weapon. There's no height, nor depth, nor any other creature. You think, bro, you're preaching hard today. I'm trying to wage a war on the side of God's mercy against the judgment of hell that's trying to come against you and saying, I know what you've done in your past. I know the mistakes. I know the skeletons in your closet. Don't you think the devil is not the only one that knows that? God knows it. And that's why you're still here in this house today because he looks at you. He said, I've got you right where the devil has you positioned because I'm about to work a miracle on your behalf. I'm about to turn your sorrow into joy. I'm going to take your morning and give you dancing. Why? Because I've got you right 
on the wheel. God's hand is on your life today, sir. God's man, God's man is assigned to have steps that are ordered because the righteousness are walking in the favor and the divine will of God today. I'm telling you, it's not an accident that you've got mistakes. It's a setup for the mercy of God in your life. I'm, I'm preaching against the wall. Let's lift our hands right now. Come on, I rebuke every spirit of fear that wants to come in this room right now. Would you stand? Would you lift your hands for just a moment? Everybody, lift your voice. Come on. I am not intimidated by the spirit of adversaries that try to come against stuff like this. In fact, it fuels my faith. I believe that God's about to do something miraculous in somebody's life. I believe God's about to set captives free in this house today. I believe a miracle is coming down your dusty road. Come on, I'm reaching for the backsliders this morning. I'm reaching for some of you that would run the aisles, but you're so stale in your seat right now. I'm reaching for people that have a judgmental spirit, and you try to take the way of God in your hands. I rebuke the lies of the adversary. I'm, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling somebody right now, you're in the right place at the right time with the right God, and there's nothing too hard. I come against every spirit of doubt. I come against every spirit of negative mindsets. I rebuke the adversary and his lies. I say, Potter, work your wheel. Work your hands. Do something miraculous in this house right now. Come on, that's a pretty clap, but if you really want it, I want you to get bold about it. Come on, I come to preach the apostolic life today. Your best days are not behind you. They're right in front of you. God has positioned you for a mighty end-time harvest. I'm telling you right now, the potter is at work. His hands are still on the clay. God's going to do a mighty work in your life. Somebody shout yes. I want to tell you today the intimacy with which God knows us best is defining his ability, Pastor Robbins, to embrace us as his children. And he says, no more shall you be orphans, but you shall be my sons and my daughters. There is an apostolic spiritual adoption that's in this room right now that God wants to bring some of you in that you have felt like you've been the outcast for all those years. I want to tell you something. Do you know where all this took place at that I'm preaching about? We talk about the power of the clay. We talk about the power of the potter. But guess where it happened at? It happened in the potter's house. Restoration took place in the potter's house. And guess where you're at right now? This is the potter's house. Come on, somebody shout this is the potter's house. That's what I'm preaching this morning. In this house, the Lord looks at the every life of every person and he sees the powerful potential that you carry in your life and that he has created you to be. And when he relinquishes our hurts, our habits, and our hangups, we are releasing God to care towards us in a way that nobody else could care for us. And that's why I believe that Jesus is the greatest lover of our soul. Jesus Christ is the potter and we are the clay and we are in his house. This is the potter's 
potter's house. This is the place where your marriage can come back together. This is the place where God can save your unsaved loved ones. This is the place where God can heal your body and touch your mind. Throw my title slide up there for me, please. This is the potter's house. This is the house where God dwells. This is the place where God takes the broken and he rearranges their life. This is the place of miracles. This is the place where healing is coming. And I want to preach to every broken heart right now. I know the holidays can be terrible for some of you. You dread them more than you dread any other day in your life because you've got family that walked out on you. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost comfort is about to reach you right now in ways you've only prayed for. I want to tell somebody right now in the Holy Ghost, the petitions you made this week and the prayers that you have sent up to God and you feel like the wind has carried them in a different direction, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. I will tell you that God is still on the throne and he still has his ear inclined towards your cry. Come on, those of you that cried yourself to sleep at night, I want to tell you emphatically, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I know I'm preaching hard right now, but I'm trying to tell you it's not too late. It's not over. You're in the right place with the right hands on your life. I'm so thankful that he has kept me on his wheel. I'm so thankful he never tossed me to the side. I'm thankful for a place where I can run to when life storms are too much to handle. I'm glad he sees the beauty in my brokenness. I'm glad he looks beyond my defects and my disabilities and desires to mold my life into something of value. And can I tell somebody that God is actively involved in the process of shaping us into the people that he wants us to be. It's not just some random idea pulled out of the hat to stir up your imaginations, your emotions. What I'm telling you is as biblical as it gets. Here's what he said, that we are formed. He did so the first man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. David said it like this. He knows us and sees us and numbers our days before one of them came to be and that God created us and shaped us and knit us together in our mother's womb before we even took a breath on this planet. God had it all worked out. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He has plans for us. He has a will for us. But I think that Philippians 1 and 6 says it best. Being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God does not give up on us when we're messed up. Instead, he gives us a second chance. Why do you think on a hill far away there stood an old rugged cross? He that became sin who knew no sin. We don't have to offer a lamb without blemish like the Old Testament days to find atonement for the rebellious rubbish in our lives. No, Jesus became the lamb and who hath believed our report. And to whom is the honor of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. He is desired. 
and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as our faces from him. I want to ask you a question. How can something so ugly be so beautiful? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our pieces upon him. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? With his stripes, we are still suffering. Right? With his stripes, we are still in the losing side. With his stripe, we have to live with chaos. No, 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 no. The writer said it right. With his stripes, we are healed. I want to know tomorrow, right now, right now, this morning, if there's anybody that's ever been healed by God's blood. <laughs> anybody ever been baptized in his lovely name and had your sins washed away? Anybody been filled with this precious gift of the Holy Ghost? Come on, let me tell you something right now. If you're still here, that means God's not done. He's still got a plan for your life. He still has a purpose. He still has a will. And I just want to remind you today on this Sunday morning, his blood was shed to erase your past. His blood was shed to bring you hope and new life, to wipe away every tear from your eye, and to calm you in the midnight hour. And so that's why the old songwriter G.T. Hayward could say, on a hill far away, on Calvary's hill of sorrow, where sins demand Hands were paid. The potter came for us. Rays of hope for tomorrow. And across our path were laid. He said, I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. It's waves that reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. There's something moving in this atmosphere today. And we have much to be thankful for in this season. And I say we start thanking God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. It washes white as snow. What can wash away my sins? Huh? Nothing but the blood. I'm telling you right now, there's only one way that the potter can take the sin away, and that's because he has applied his blood. For it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows. You know why we have all these beautiful songs? For us, it's not just about lyrics, and I love singing. But for those of us who are in this house today, it's our lifestyle. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me where would I be? I don't know why Jesus loved me. I mean, I can go all through the list of things. But I want to tell you right now, the fact that we're in this building today is clear proof of what I'm preaching right now. You've come to the potter's house. This is the potter's house. This is the place where grace dwells. This is the place where you find the apostolic life. This is the place where you find the fullness of life. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able I can focus on my shortcomings. I can focus on my mishaps. But I choose to look at what Jesus sees. Potential and promise. And ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. What are you talking about? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord in one place. Everybody in that room, you, especially Peter, was marred. Of all people that was marred, Peter was king mess up. He denied Jesus three times, just as the Lord said he would. 
You remember that time when he said, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. You know what he was telling him that day? He said, son, the devil has a hit list, but I got a prayer list. I know what he's trying to plot in your life. I know what he's trying to do in you, but I've got a greater purpose, and I'm not so sure that you can stay where you are in your mistakes. No, Peter, when he got up and went back to him, he asked him a question three times, and that's what he's asking you right now. Those of you in this room right now that want to be better Christians and have a better and deeper relationship with God, that ought to be every single one of us. He's asking us the same question he asked Peter, not are you going to keep cussing, you're going to keep drinking, you're going to keep smoking. No, because once you get the Holy Ghost, it'll take care of all that. He just wants to know, do you? love me because if you love me I can heal you if you love me I can set you free if you love me I can use you and so Lord take my hands take my feet touch my heart and speak to me God if you can use anything Lord here I am I give all myself to you Lord here I am would you lift your hands love the Lord right now Everybody in this house, would you love the Lord? Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. There is this thing about the blood. It still works. Anybody really thankful for the blood this morning? I, uh, I'm a story guy, and you need a good story before we go home today. I, I remember reading one day about this man that went to him potter's shop and he wanted to purchase a vase for his wife I don't know maybe they were in an argument he was trying to make amends I don't know maybe it was just a birthday who, who knows what it was but he goes there and he doesn't really see anything that he likes particularly okay and he he's on his way out the door and you know how it is when you're looking for something you, you look everywhere I don't do that if, I, if it ain't there I'm gone I am not spending an hour looking for one item. I just don't, I just don't do, you, you agree to? Yeah, see? I knew there was yeah, three, where two or three are gathered. There it is. There it is. This guy looked up on the top shelf. It caught his eye, Pastor Robbins. He thought, boy, that is the most beautiful vase I've ever seen. He said, sir, I want that one right there. And the potter said, I can't sell you that one. It's not for sale. But look at the color. He goes, that, that red that is just all throughout that clay is gorgeous. My wife would, that's her style. I can see that sitting on the kitchen counter right there on the island with beautiful arrangement coming out of it. And that, man, that's, are you sure you can't sell it? He goes, sir, it's priceless. I can't sell it to you. This, this is the guy that owns the shop that made every vase in that room. He said, I, I can't sell it. It's not for sale. It has, it's priceless. I can't put a price on that. He said, I've never seen a red like that in my life. 
how'd you do it? He said, well, it's simple. Clay has some pieces of glass in it. One day as I was forming it, it cut my hand. And the red you see in that vase is my blood. And that's why it's not for sale. He said, but I'll give it to you. You can have it. Because the blood cannot be sold. <laughs> and some of you in this room right now, I see blood all over your life. <laughs> and he says, if you want it, it's yours for free. You can have it. See, I too was once in a wretched state. I haven't always been perfect. I know you can't imagine that. Come from a broken home. My dad was heavily addicted to drugs and alcohol. And If anybody had a right, my wife and I have been through some struggles, as everybody else in this room has done. Lost two children. But I've got a good marriage. I've broken that generational curse. I'm not addicted to drugs and alcohol. And Hey, people that have those addictions, they're not bad people. They just need the Lord's blood. And those of us that don't have those addictions, that doesn't make us good people automatically. It just means we too, we need the blood. There's two types of people in this room right now. It's not black or white, rich or poor. It's saved and unsaved. Those that have already received the Holy Ghost and those that need the Holy Ghost. Those common factors is one thing. We all need the blood. I'm telling you today, if you have not, it's because you have not asked. What did he say? Knock shall be open, seek and ye shall find. Without a doubt, I'm positive that God can do anything you ask him to do. But you have to believe for it. Faith without works is dead. You know what's so amazing about James chapter 2 and I'm coming to a close is he wrote in there, he dropped this word, Brother Robbins, right in the middle of that text. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. You know what causes hell to tremble? Not only because there's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, but when you and I take the faith and we do something about it. But preacher, you don't know my pedigree. You don't know where I come from. You don't know my mistakes. You don't know my habits. You don't know... that. that None of that matters in this moment. All that matters is that there's a guy named Jesus. God, manifest in flesh, dwelt among us and became the atonement for our lives. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want to invite whosoever will that would come to this altar this morning right now and say, Lord, I need your blood to still cover my life. There is nothing that's too hard for you, God.